0: Back to the Zero to your podcast. I am your host, Danny Duma. Producer Carl. Huh. Really, really good. Thanks, Carl. I got a beer in front of me. I got uh, two wicked dudes sitting across the table. How uh, how do you go wrong? Uh, let's start by review. Let's let's start by reviewing this beer. Let's do it. Uh, we got another beer guy. As you guys know, I love beer, and uh, we got a pretty knowledgeable beer guy sitting across from me. How long have you worked in the beer industry? When did you start at Grumble Island? Oh, I mean like when is when i get
1: back I got back from college in two thousand and eight so and not long after that, like less than a year, I started working for Granville island okay, yeah, started from the bottom though, like I was like literally packing beer onto trucks like a swamper, so it's been a long ride for That's sure how it goes, man, yeah, no, it's been good and now, and now working with Strathcona beer Company, a couple two and a half years old, and you know just launching that brand it's been good so far, really happy with uh the beers that we're putting out, which we're about to try and, and, uh, you know, where we've, where we've gotten ourselves to in two and a half years, I
0: think, you know, it's better than we probably had anticipated. And, um, you know, hopefully it just keeps going. Even just to your you personally going from throwing, uh, pallets around Yeah, no, I mean that, a few years ago to now owning a brewery in Vancouver, which like, is pretty cool. I could honestly
1: like, like put it back to like i i could tell you the whole story but like literally the whole pivot point of me when it was like i wasn't sure i was going to do this for long like just like every other guy that played Duh. college sports i was going to be a fireman <laughs> and um and that was the plan and then and then literally i had a soccer game on mother's day whatever like seven years, however long ago it was like not long into my granville career and i was going to be a fireman and i i bodied a guy and i turned and he tackled me from behind and i fell on my hand and i folded my hand like broke two of my fingers oh. back on my hand and uh couldn't lift kegs anymore couldn't lift package and it just so happened that a guy at head office in granville island had just been promoted and they needed uh they needed an event coordinator and they were like well like just come fill it for a couple of weeks and literally it just that was it like i kind of got into the head office and started to enjoy the industry I and mean, it's a pretty fun industry i'm sure you know you know as well and uh <laughs> yeah i just never really looked back and it's just kind of continued from there so it's pretty funny
0: let's talk about beer one what do we got here this is the premium pilsner it's
1: uh it's a Czech style pilsner it's definitely um i wouldn't call it dumbed down but we definitely took some of the hop characteristic out of it we did want it to be as sessionable as possible. A lot of times um with some of you know like the uh the uh, like Pilsner or Kells some of these they're you know they have the noble hops and then the Saz and the Hallertau and and they're just they're they're very present in the beer so we definitely toned it back a beer and just, you know, tried to, you know, make it as crushable as possible, I guess. It's a terrible
0: beer term, but it's true. <laughs> what what's the right politically correct beer term in the beer world
1: you know what i've read articles about like the worst terms in craft beer and crushable is like number one but you'll talk to any beer guy from any company and they'll be like how crushable is that i mean that that is we're obviously selling niche beers to a somewhat niche market but at the end of the day the number one beer style in the world is light beer yellow fizzy stuff you know Mm. so the closer you can come to that the more volume you're going to sell and at the end of the day like You know, it's great to make the big, crazy, you know, beers and and everyone does it. And it it is the fun part of the industry. But you want to make some money. You do need to have that beer that the the masses are going to be attracted to. Right. So that's that's what this beer is. And it is it is kind of our our uh, our staple beer for sure.
0: I want to talk a little bit about beer trends and fads Mm -hmm. and that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. because it from a consumer standpoint, which is what I am Mm -hmm. or a sampler. I still want a job as a sampler, Carl. Like at Steel and Oak, like they're trying a new beer. It's coming out of the big ass keg mm-hmm. things. They need someone with an impartial palate to Absolutely. try it. Right. Absolutely. It, you do find yourself,
1: it's tough to like, it's tough to be impartial, you know, like it really, it really is. Cause you know, it's your baby. Like this is your next thing that you're releasing, you know? So it is, it is tough. And I think, um, not that we've done a better job than anyone else, but like our Beach Rattler, which we do in the summer, we sell just so much of that beer. It's, it's crazy. It's really like what kind of put us on the map, and now it's given us the ability to 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 do these other kind of beers, and people, it was kind of a gateway gateway drug for us, the beach was. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I think with that beer, we were really hard on ourselves. The first year we did it, it was just a Lemon Rattler, and then we were like, there's problems with that. So the next year, we did like, 15 test batches of it and we just dialed in the mandarin and the lemon and the and like i mean it was crazy how many times friday we'd have a tasting and we'd try five new samples and be like that one but a little bit more and then he'd take that and he'd split that into five more different ratios like we were so serious about getting that beer right and i think that you have to be that way if you really want to be successful like you can't rest on your laurels you know like even that get down on it that one IPA of the year American IPA of the Year in Canada last year, and um, we're still looking at tweaking it. but that's the fun part about craft beer is that when you're mostly Canadian, that recipe has to be the exact same every single time With craft beer, like you have you have wiggle room to not change the recipe, but tweak it absolutely you know, m- modify your hops, modify you know how long it ferments for, things like that, right? So I think that's the fun part
0: about it. I fucking love the beer industry.: It's pretty fun. Uh, okay. I guess I should introduce our guest, Carl. Uh, Andrew Proctor. I, uh, this is going to be a mix of like beer talk slash a catch up session, I totally. think, because, uh, wow. Andrew and I used to work together on different sides of the industry. I, as most of you know, worked as a bartender manager in some sports bars in greater Vancouver and Andrew and I met through his, uh, Granville Island work. He was a sales rep for Granville Island for a number of years, moved on to Big Rock. Mm-hmm. Was that the next step? Yeah, that was the next step. And then uh, been with Strathcona for what? Two and a half years. Well, been yeah. over for two and a half years. Yeah. Uh, how you doing, man? I'm great. Good to see you. I'm pumped to be here. Honestly I know. It's,
1: it's funny to be here, for sure.
0: It's cool to uh see, uh see you on this side of things, for sure. We're popping Andrew's uh, podcast chair tonight, you so are. I'm pretty pumped about it. Be gentle. It. And, he, and he brought the beer, so... <laughs> <laughs> so we are starting with the pills now we're going to go to uh the pale ale the all that and then some pale ale and then the big sexy funk funk. and the get down on an ipa a plus for creativity on the names totally totally.
1: no i mean you know and unfortunately i haven't named any of them which is driving me nuts i keep throwing names out there and they're just they're not sticking so one of these days, I'll get one of these cans named, but it's not <laughs> happened yet. We've, and we've released like 20
0: beers. So, I mean, that's terrible for me, but yeah. Is that going to be a straight retirement for you? Be
1: I like, mean, I, I got the name I'm out. I honestly think it's almost <laughs> to the point now where it's like, they're just not picking my names because they know it's pissing me off so much. Like I've thrown out a couple of good ones and they're just like, nah, those are terrible. I, I beg to differ for sure. A couple of them have been pretty good. They say big, sexy funks named after me,
0: but I think that's just them trying to throw me a bone, but I don't know. <laughs> Uh, going from the sales rep side to owning a brewery, how does that happen? I know we were like briefly chatting about it before. Basically, you and four buddies teamed up to start Strathcona.
1: You know what? There's, um, there's like four of us that are involved in the day to day, and then there's, um, a couple other that are just kind of peripheral owners. You know what I mean? They don't really, um, deal with us on a day to day basis at all. Um, the the way that it worked for me was honestly, um, a friend of a friend, literally as, as most things in life happens. And, um, uh, a good girlfriend of mine knew someone that was getting involved and, um, he really didn't have much, um, much kind of just practical knowledge on the industry. And I think it, it really, it really just started as I have a friend that's doing this. Would you be interested in having a conversation with him? and you know, I kind of live by the motto that you would never turn down an interview. You would never turn down a coffee date because networking is just so important in any aspect Mm of life, whether it's dating or business or anything. So I was like, absolutely. Like, I would love to, love to have a chat with them. So I went and uh, I actually went down to the brewery and it was literally like, you know, trenches in the floor and, you know, studs and that was it. And it was, it was in its absolute infancy. And, and we met and, uh, we hit it off, and um, and by the end of the first meeting, it was kind of like, "Oh, you should come work for me." And I was like, huh, maybe, like, probably not, dude." And um, and then we just kind of kept <laughs> kept meeting every couple of weeks. Like something new would come up, and I'd just be like, "Yeah, like this is how I would I would arrange this," or you know, that cooler is not not where I would put it and, and just, you know, whatever it was, just small things like that. And then it just, it just kept evolving to the point where it was like, you should really come over here and, and, um and yeah. And then, you know, after however long of just kind of weighing the options, if it was the right move for me, because I, like I said, I, I wasn't sure if I wanted to stay in the industry. I kind of, um, if I'm being totally honest, there's such a a level of saturation in the craft beer industry right now that I was, I was definitely weary of, of jumping in on something like that. Um, but after, you know, meeting the people involved and the people that I was going to be partnering with and, um, the plan for the brand and the style of beers and, and just everything, I, I kind of got past that, that anxiety that I had about it. And, um, and just went for it, and honestly, I have no regrets whatsoever about it. But it was a time when I was literally like, "I'm just gonna stay at Big Rock, collect a paycheck, you know, keep doing what we're doing here." And, um, and, and try to get out of the industry. Just, you know, it's also, it's a very fun industry. It's a little bit sexy, but it's hard <laughs> on the body. And, uh, and so I kind of was just like, yeah, you know, I can't do this forever, but, uh, getting out of the full-time kind of sales rep side of things and getting into, you know, a bit more office time, a bit more key account stuff. It, it It's a little bit easier on the liver. So
0: So it's been good. Starting a brewery. I mean, in the last, let's say seven or eight years, it seems like there's been 10 plus new breweries in Greater Vancouver. Is that accurate?
1: Oh, Every I mean, year. I, I think that those numbers are low. Like probably maybe I 20. The, yeah. In the lower mainland, without a doubt, in the in in the Greater Vancouver area, um, you're probably right on 10. But I mean, in, in the province of BC, it's, you know, I mean, there's like... 200 breweries now you know what i mean and i come from a time where um granville island had the only tasting room in town right so um and that was you know that was that was why there were no other breweries because you need that room to cover your expenses right so if you don't have a tasting room how are you going to bankroll yourselves to get that big while you wait to get the Draft accounts while you wait to get on shelves while you wait to get into the government stores. No one could do that, right? So once they opened up the uh, the the tasting room licenses, that's when this whole boom happened, right? And um, interesting. Like, okay, I didn't know that yeah. they
0: didn't even allow the tasting rooms no, before.
1: Um, so they might have allowed them. I could be not totally correct on that, but what they didn't allow was lounge licenses so even at granville island like back in the day if you had been like hey andrew send me down to granville island for the day i could have only given you one 20 ounce pint yeah. that's all you were legally allowed right yeah. so then i would have to see if there was any way to go around that which <laughs> there wasn't i suppose and um and so once they kind of changed those those you don't laws, work that anymore you can i don't honest. i know but i work in the industry so i'm not trying to bring too much heat on um but yeah once they opened that up that's when the whole the whole revolution happened um i mean steamworks did it before that red truck did mm. it before that but um these are companies that um were very determined had you know some some you know good backing and were able to do it but the, but all of these small smaller endeavors it really it really opened up once that all changed you wouldn't have seen what you see right now if they hadn't hadn't changed the uh, the liquor licensing so I mean, I do come from a time before that, and I think it is good what's happening right now, without a doubt. Like, I'm living proof. I'm living it. I love what's going on in this industry and the people that it's um, employing and the creativity that it brings Mm -hmm. about. That being said, um, the pie doesn't get bigger, right? Like, you're not drinking 10 times more beer because there's 10 times more selection, you mm. might be drinking more you're drinking more we're all drinking more but like it's all it's all relative right yeah. like just because there is literally a thousand percent increase in the options doesn't mean that you're drinking anywhere near that right mm. so then the pie just gets divided up and divided up and divided mm. up and I think at a certain point um because you know Budweiser isn't going anywhere and Heineken isn't going anywhere and Coors and Molson aren't going anywhere um there will just be a point where it will be difficult for everyone to um to to, to get a big enough piece of the pie to 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 do what they want to do right and i think there's a difference between some breweries wanting to be big right like some people want to grow that big and then there's other people that are just really happy having a tasting room and and selling a bit of beer to their their local and and that's great right so i think that that's where the pivot point will have to come of people that are going to join this industry is really understanding what it is you're trying to accomplish in it because if you go into it not knowing what you're going to become well you could get yourself financially in trouble pretty quick i think because setting up a brewery is not a cheap endeavor right like there's a lot of stainless steel coolers keg floats all the raw materials and i think if you know that you want to be small then you can really manage it right if you know that you want to be big then you know what you have to sell to get that big right so i do see um just an interesting next five years. I think the next five years are going to be really interesting because there was like 20 new breweries slated for this year, you know? Where are they opening? Who's, who's, who are they undercutting, right? Not Something that it matters. you said I really
0: like. You said, uh, comp- you said some variation of this. Competition breeds uh, creativity. Absolutely. And I look back on the craft beer or the mm-hmm. beer industry, and there was two players, right? It was totally. Labatt and Molson. Yeah. And in the last 15 years, just how much better the product has got because of all the competition.
1: It's... It's... Uh... I mean, I even look at like what I used to sell, you know what I mean? And I was, you know, it was, okay, you had Labatt and Molson and then you had Okanagan Springs and Granville Island. And then, you know, Phillips, I mean, Phillips is, is spectacular what they've done, Mm -hmm. right? Like just like one of the fastest growing companies, Their, their volumes insane. They're across the country, like, like a true, beautiful, like homegrown success story. Right. And then what we were serving like at Granville and Okanagan, it was like, like 15, 16, Okanagan pale ale like Granville Island pale ale like they were great beers because they offered something that Labatt and Molson Mm. weren't even trying to offer when you look at even what we were selling as craft and compare it to now what is craft I mean it you can't even compare the two things really Mm.
0: you as an outside consumer you look at the craft beer industry and think oh this must be pretty easy there's like so many coming up all the time but you mentioned a few things like it's really difficult First of all, it's super capital intensive. Equipment is fucking expensive. And I oh, know yeah. just from seeing Steel and Out go up a few, four years ago now yeah. maybe. But like, how do you, where does it start?
1: Like as far as like, okay, so you Like
0: there's a lot of shit. Oh, you're like, you're, I mean, you're talking about branding. You're talking about names. You're talking about how do we make beer? Like,
1: how, Well, I think, I think, you know... And then one, you're like,
0: we need a location.
1: Location's your first thing, right? Like, I mean, you know, brewmaster... Yeah, you need a guy that's going to brew beer, right? But you could probably find your location before you find your brewmaster. Excuse me. A lot of times now these brewmasters are partners. They are the ones opening these breweries, right? So you sidestep that, um, but location. And and I think another part of the industry that you're seeing is like your fixed costs, right? Like you understand business, like your fixed costs are going to affect how profitable you can become. You know what I mean? So if you're, um, you know, out in the suburbs your fixed costs are going to be a lot less than right downtown. You know what I mean? So if all of a sudden you're paying 15, 20, 25, like thousand dollars a month for your rent, Mm. well, you need to make that much more money to just pay your rent every month, as opposed to being in, you know, Langley or Abbotsford or even Brewers Row for that matter. You know what I mean? Like I have no idea what those, those things cost, but I, I mean, just, you're in real estate, you would know that that's probably going to cost less per month than that's going to cost. Right. So, I mean, you have to look at that and that's going back to, are you going to be big or are you going to be small? Right. If you're going to be big, you should probably be cost conscious of that and try to find yourself something that's going to make you able to make some money right away to put back into your business. Right. So I think your locations first and then, and then it's just full steam ahead, pour the pad, get the tanks, build your cooler, start brewing beer.
0: At the beginning, so knowing how competitive of an industry it is, especially when you guys started probably like three and a half years ago mm-hmm. was this yeah. how How long does it take from like idea concept, okay, now we're finding a space to like doors opening beers coming going out of the door
1: you know like the biggest the two the two biggest um linchpins on that would be um, finding your location, ironing out all those things, you know, delays in, in, in building. And there's, there's a ton of, um, variants there, but the one thing that we ran up against, which, which, um, is what it is, but it didn't, it didn't help things was liquor licensing. Right. You don't know how long that'll take, right. That, that can, that could be who knows. Right. So we, we physically, Um, we're ready, licensed to produce beer, sell beer at wholesale. And that was it on August. Oh no, I'm messing up the dates. You have to cut this out, but it was like late July. It was late July, like July 20th or something, I think was the day that we actually got that. But then we didn't get our actual, um, lounge license endorsement until November. November something like that. So we were only basically allowed to have people in just like at Granville Island and have a 16 or a 20 ounce. I think it was 16. You could have a flight. So that's four, four ounces, or you could have a 16 ounce sleeve Mm. and that was it in one sitting. So, I mean, thank God we had a pizza kitchen or, I mean, we would have been in trouble. It definitely helped out being able to make pies because, you know, all you could collect from someone was a $6 pint. You know what I mean? So that, that was, that was definitely a delay. And I think that they've probably sped that up, but it's still, probably the one thing that can slow you down the most
0: you mentioned there was a lot of differences or maybe some nervous energy and going from like big companies mm-hmm. to a startup craft brewery mm-hmm. where is information gathered like it from concept phase being like okay here there's five dudes we want to start a brewery we need a space But like, is it just going to a shit ton of breweries and being like, okay, I like what they're doing with this beer. I don't like what they're doing with this beer. Or is it just like leave everything in the brewmaster's hands and let's focus on the brand?
1: You know, I think that that really is, um, there probably is a right answer. I can tell you what we did. I don't know if there is a right answer. There probably is. But for us, um, we launched with what we launched with. And that was kind of the brewmaster's decision. And um, I can tell you that there's only one beer that we still make that we launched. And that's the Pilsner.
0: Interesting. There's okay. not
1: one beer. I think, um, it's, it's, it's all growing pains, right? And that was kind of what like made me nervous about going into it to start was just, um, how well is this going to go? Like I had faith in it. I had faith in the partners. Um, I had faith in the brand. I had faith in everything, but there's still unknowns. You know what I mean? I'm you changed industries as well. I'm sure you had some nerves about it. I think for us, I was
0: clueless though. I, uh, yeah, I, no, I, no, when no, I started, yeah, okay. I call I, I guess I classify like what, how I got into it was just like, I had this ridiculously naive confidence. I was just like, yeah, I'm going to do really Good well though. at
1: this. I probably, had, I to say, nothing. I probably had to say, I, I knew stuff, but I'd never opened a brewery before. So, I mean, I think I probably had a, a naive confidence to just, yeah. you know, figure it out as you go, you know, but I, I would say that if you were to ask everyone involved, There's definitely things we would do differently. And one of them would, in my opinion, would be um, committing to, committing to beers long term, you know, like a Mm -hmm. a great brewery that I, um, that I think did it um, probably the right way because they wanted to be big, right? And maybe we wanted to be big, but we're going about it the wrong way at the very beginning. Uh, If you look at Steamworks, when they opened Pilsner and Pale Ale. That was it. All day, every day, Pilsner and Pale Ale, six-pack bottles. It's all they offered for like a year. Got them listed in the government, built up brand equity in those two beers. And now those two beers are monsters for them, national brands, right? And then you look at uh, um, Parkside. Uh, brewer there worked with me at Granville. And uh, and their sales director worked at Red Truck. Red Truck, lager, Pale Ale all day. Then they went into an IPA. So when, when Parkside opened, Pilsner Pale Ale. I think that that's something that, you know, knowing that we did want to be big, we kind of just threw a bunch of stuff out there and waited to see what, what stuck, and it turned out that the Pilsner stuck, and then the beers that we we kind of came with um, later stuck. You, you need to be on trend, right? Like, you can do whatever you want, and the brewers can do whatever they want, but at the end of the day, they, they have there has to be a market for them, right? Like, you know, the barrel stuff... Just because, you know, you want to make a barrel beer doesn't mean that the large population is going to buy it. You know what I mean? And and that is a bit of a tug of war with us because, you know, our, our brewers are so creative and they want to do so many things and you have to give them the freedom to be creative and do what they want. But you also have to rein them in and be like, but that's not going to sell or that's, that's just not worth the effort. You know what I mean? 100%, 100%. It is a bit of a tug of war. Like, I don't think that they, they, they you know, get out of bed and, and love brewing beach in the summertime. But at the end of the day, I mean, you know, we sold 75 skids of it last year in four months. You know what I mean? Like, those are, those are pretty big numbers. And we'll probably do even more this year, I would think. So I don't think that they love doing that. So you got to do this for me all summer. And then, you know, you can do whatever you want in the barrels next year. It's
0: kind of how it has to be, you know with any business you have to do what customers
1: it, right? want it, right you know <laughs> the, like, you're in an industry that's almost it's a creative industry right so there is mm-hmm. like you know there's just there it's just it's 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 more of a, a talk and i i dealt with this at big rock as well where they were adamant about not um forcing the brewers to make what the sales and the marketing wanted And that was great, but I I don't necessarily think that that steers you in the right direction because those brewers might make an unbelievable beer, right? An unbelievable beer, but you can't actually take it to market. You know what I mean? Like you might make something that's so insane in fooders or barrels or in a cool ship and it's just unbelievable, but you can't like, it's economy of scale. Like you can't scale it up and actually sell it. So what are you doing it for?
0: It goes back to what you said earlier and like, because there's so much competition in BC, you have to decide whether you want to be like the unique city Mm -hmm. brand or you want to grow. Totally. And if you want to grow, you have to all be on board, including the brewers (laughs) that that like, this is what we need to do to grow. Yes. There's always going to be room for feature one-off beers or seasonal beers or whatever that come Mm -hmm. two months every year or whatever, but you need to be able to produce enough of, the the flagships absolutely that go a long way
1: well i mean like our beach like if all of a sudden like we couldn't get the ingredients for it like you know mm-hmm. why why are we even going to brew it at all you can't you can't grow it you can't keep going with it it's just going to go downhill because you can't get the materials anymore like it's just like any beer or any product that you're going to produce if you can't keep scaling it up then then you're just wasting your time and your money even trying right so i think the brewers are great honestly i i i, I I would say that it's honest to God a pleasure working with, with our, our two main brewers. Um, And they've come so far as well. You know, like it's, it's like a cook in a kitchen, you know, Mm -hmm. like, or on your new barbecue, like how hot does this thing get? You know what I mean? And you're burning your burgers the first couple of times. Like I I would honestly say that like the beers have just gotten so much better and it's because of their, you know, their dedication and they're always tweaking it and they're always, you know, working on just every aspect of it. And, and, uh, and it's, it doesn't go unnoticed and it, you know, the consumer themselves are definitely, um, you know, the sales and, and just the, you know, the, the um, reception we get at, at trade shows. I mean, it's just, it's, it, the proof is definitely in the pudding that the product's getting better and, and the brand and the brand can, keeps getting better, you know?
0: Okay. We're talking a lot about beer. I feel like we should open it. beer. We probably should. Okay. Next up is, uh, all that and then some, mm-hmm. can you, oh, can you tell me what mosaic is, is the pale ale with mosaic?
1: Yeah, it's it's uh, obviously a hop. Um, it's more of a more of a fruity hop. Um, it's a really again on trend. You know, it's a really. On, thank you. Um, it's a really on trend hop. So we do. We use it in uh, in a couple of our a uh, couple of our products. It smells yeah, it does. Deadly. It started off this beer actually as uh, it was. It was just going to be a spring pale ale. And um it just did really, really well for us. So we've kept it all year and uh quite proud of it.
0: Sure I just... like these beers a lot. Mm-hmm. The hazy,
1: like, you know, talking about trend, like just every beer with haze seems this to be is a it's almost trend. like a touch hazy though.
0: Mm-hmm. It's not it's, as it's like cloudy. Yeah. You know. Isn't ta like it's not overpoweringly citrus like a lot of the hazy ones are. No. Almost tastes juicy. It's it's definitely got a nice hop um, back to it
1: for sure, but not bitter. You just kind of get a little bit of it on your tongue mm-hmm.
0: on the front of the tongue. I like that. You could, to me, that is crushable. You could crush that. <laughs> I have crushed that. <laughs> okay, I have one more question on like early days before doors mm-hmm. open. How much focus is put on um, branding? And being unique in the marketplace versus like selling yourselves as the quality of the beer. It's a great question.
1: So I would say, um, and and honestly, I remember someone saying this to me, and I actually took offense to it. And I would, I you know, I would apologize to them now. Um, but they literally said that the brand, excuse me, the gra- the brand propped us up at the beginning as the as the beers got better. I think you can look at some breweries that have done it. The way of just you know doing just banger beers right off the bat and um you know I, I there's there's a million reasons that that probably happens. I think that our brand honestly did keep us afloat at the very beginning. we did a, not keep us afloat but just really like endear us to the consumer that was going to be coming back as we got better and better, and like we launched with a forty ounce we 're the only craft brewery in Canada that had a forty ounce bottle, so we did a forty ounce bottle of gold and it was a Belgian golden ale and uh and you know just something as simple as that like just being different um you know not putting malt liquor into a 40 and actually putting like a really nice belgian style ale into a 40 ouncer just really really set us uh, set us apart um the labels that we put on our bombers because we when we first launched we only had bombers Right. So when I was going out there to sell, all I had was bombers and uh, and draft. Right. And funny story, when we launched and I actually like it was like, you know, my first days of selling beer. Um, I like I said, I hadn't fully been on board yet. Um, I was obviously helping with things, but not all the decision making. And the guys had brewed a full batch of every beer that they were going to brew and they put it all into kegs. So I had like, f- like 300 <laughs> fucking cans <bags. laughs> that I was like, so what? Like we don't have a fucking single account. Our liquor license isn't even a lounge yet. We can only sell this 16 ounces at a time to different people or flights. What are we doing with all this beer, guys? So that was definitely like a learning, a learning experience for us. Um, but yeah, I can just going back to it, I think the brand, you could do it both ways. It would be ideal if you had your brand dialed and your beer dialed. Mm. I just think that um you know, it's going to take you a bit of time to figure out what's going to work for you. For it's interesting
0: sides. that you say that that was uh or you took offense to that comment? It bugged me because I was like what the you way
1: you saying our beer shit dude? Like I was a fuck I was fucking pissed, honestly I was. But I, I know get what he was saying. I almost see it, it the other way
0: that like to me a brand sells call, beer, right? Like totally I go in there right now I'm into hazy's like every other fucking person in the yeah. world. So I go into a liquor store mm-hmm. and I find hazies and I'll be like, i've never tried this one i never tried this one this one you're, has a cooler label right you're
1: totally right about that because the consumer nowadays um it's easy for me when i go in to buy beer because i buy the breweries that i know and that i like and the yeah. products and i'm around it so much but for you know my mom or my dad going into the store like pray for them like that's that's tough you know what i mean <laughs> like like honestly like you know even a small, so right? small liquor store a small liquor store like goodness. 400 different oh, beers dude, in and single yeah. cans and yeah. imports you know it's just it's it's insane it's it's awesome yeah i love it but yeah i mean it, it's got to be really intimidating but you're, you're right about that and, and that and that is probably more what he was saying is that you know like your brand was so eye-catching that people were were looking for it and seeking it out and, and picking it over other established mm-hmm. products um, and that was true you know we we uh, we did. We had a good launch. We had a good first year. You know, we haven't really um, had to look back and, and question what we've done. We just it's been it's been an evolution is the best way to say. You know, it's constant. We're we're always looking at. You know, is our packaging right? Is the label right? Um, you know, w- when we first did Beach, we put uh, uh, a foil lid on it like San Pellegrino. Like I would get there at like five in the morning with two of the other partners, <laughs> and we would have these plungers and literally put like a single fo- foil thing on it plunge it down like it was you know we were doing anything for the brand you know and but it did set us apart but then on a windy day those things would fly off so we stopped (laughs) but uh no you know the brand for us was 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 huge and and um i think it just
0: paved the way for us to kind of be where we are today starting out beers ready to rock doors Mm -hmm. open Mm -hmm. i know you're a sales guy Mm -hmm. ready to go where like where do you start you're literally brand new. The industry is super competitive. You know what?
1: You go out and um, you go out and you see the people that have been good to you in the past. You know what I mean? And um, luckily I back I, to networking, right? Back to networking, and you go out and and these people, you know, they they help you out and. Um, it it is tough though, right? Because it doesn't do me any good to put my product on the shelf if it's not going to sell either. You know what I mean? I don't want to buy it back. I don't want something sitting there with dusty on the shelf. So you have to work together, right? So, so you, you know, I, I never went in expecting them to help me. I went in asking them to help me. You know, I didn't, I didn't expect like, Hey, I was your rep for five years with this company and two and a half years with this company. And you know, Let's get it on the shelf. Like, you know, I showed them what I had and, and I just trusted that I had been good enough to them over the years that they wanted to help me, you know, and, and luckily they did because not in every store did it sell and every store didn't have the right product mix when I first sold to them. And you know what we put on, it's funny, like our ISA was our number one draft product when we launched you know what i mean like we don't even carry that beer anymore we killed it after six months you know and then our our british ipa won a gold the first year we opened at the canadian brewing awards so you know then all of a sudden we started selling a ton of that you know but um you just you go to the people that were good to you and then you just luckily we had a good brand and a lot of people reached out to us and wanted to wanted to try our stuff you know so we got a lot of taps off the beginning and uh and and liquor stores were kind of eager. And going in with bombers was less of an ask, right? I'm not asking right. for shelf space, six packs. Just, you know, buy a case, throw it
0: in the corner, see if it sells. And it did, so. This just popped in my head, but not that I am... Not that I obviously want to shit on anyone's product, but, like, how yeah. much... I'll just ask the question straight up. Then. Like, how... Uh, How would you value the importance of a relationship in terms of getting product out there versus the actual quality of the product? And I know it probably depends on the salesperson, but dude, like totally. Because it's so competitive, like if, if I, my name's John and I own a liquor store, mm-hmm. and I really like you mm-hmm. if your product's not that good, but I really like you, Carl's product is a little bit better, but I don't like Carl. I can I'm probably stalking I can tell your product. you that. I'm
1: not going to say which company was which, but you know, which companies <laughs> I worked for and one of them was fucking easy to sell. And one of them was not. Mm. Okay. And, um and yeah, that was, that was trying on some of my relationships. You know what I mean? Cause I, I thought that um I thought that they would support me and they didn't. And that was hard to be honest with you. I would, I literally remember going into one store and she would crush it for me with, with one of the companies that I worked with. And I walked in and I, you know, she came out, gave me a hug and i was like what are you doing i haven't seen you forever and i was like oh i'm doing this now and she i'm not fucking kidding turned around and walked back into the back of the liquor store that was the end of the meeting man i haven't seen her since literally like and that was the most extreme example without a doubt um but she just you know it could and and you know that could have nothing to do with the product that could have to do with the previous rep that could have mm-hmm. to do with um you know, the accounting department, not, getting, experience, our credit back, right? not like, getting the right order one time or whatever things. But you know, if you're good at your job, um, and, and, and you're true to your word and, you know, you never overpromise and underdeliver, and all these fucking sales cliches, but they're true. And if you really do that and, and you're just, you know, good at your job and you, and you work, you know, pretty darn hard, people will support you. They honestly will. If your product is unsellable dude, they're going to be good to you though. Like they'll, they'll be honest with you. And they'll just say, they'll try every fucking product you have before they say, I can't sell this. Like, I just can't, you know what I mean? And that's what most people did. We just tried everything. And when it wouldn't move, thank you for trying. You know what I mean? And same here. If something doesn't work here, like obviously the brand, like it comes off the shelf and and it's, you know, it's award-winning product. It's on trend. Um, It's local. It, It ticks most boxes for consumers. But yeah, some places it doesn't sell as well as other places. And that's, in all my years, been something I can't wrap my head around. Because um, you'll have one store that just flies through one product. Mm-hmm. And then like, you know, two kilometers away, pretty much the same neighborhood, you know, that product won't even move. So I don't know if it's one guy with a drinking problem living next to that <laughs> store or what. But yeah,
0: it, it, it just, it's, it's crazy to me. It's always been an anomaly. It sounds like the relationship can get the foot in the door, but Mm -hmm. the product, product enhances the relationship.
1: It's, it's still a business, right? Like at the end of the day, like they still, either they own the store and it's their bottom line that they care about, or they have a boss that that they have to answer to. And no matter how much they like you, you know, everyone's results driven, right? Like you can't really, it doesn't matter what you do. You're still results driven, right? Like it's nice to, have a friend who's the rep that comes in once a week and you guys shoot the shit and you know, you always buy your breakage and you know, you're always willing to do a tasting and a giveaway and la da da, everything, right? But at the end of the day, like you can only do that for so long. If they look at their numbers and they've sold one in a month, they can't do that for very long. Mm.
0: You talk about being confused <laughs> when a product does really well at one store but not at another store. Yeah. Is there any research that goes into like demographics of neighborhoods and and when you're approaching stores saying like you know this is a pilsner driven market you know whatever yeah
1: no no i think um without you know oversimplifying it i mean like you know even when i was at like granville island like we we sold so well downtown because downtown had like adopted craft you Mm -hmm. know what i mean and then it just it wasn't quite out all the way in the valley you know what i mean like like the numbers out there like for granville Island like even in surrey you know what i mean like they weren't quite there and then craft really hit there and at the end of my time at granville island myself and the rep in surrey and langley had the largest volumes out of anyone in the in the country probably Mm -hmm. definitely in the province right and it's just um you know it does take time to travel right but now you see people of our you know similar age and demographic like that's where Where we're moving right like Mm -hmm. um so you know, there's not really a, a a real barrier anymore, or there shouldn't be. But I mean, dude, trust me. Like the big companies, they've they've dissected everything.
0: Like I don't have those decks, but <laughs> I could tell you that the back could tell you for sure. <laughs> they could tell you that. Uh, obviously, one side of branding is social media. How much uh, time and effort do you guys put into? marketing on social media or just growing I put your none,
1: brand but we put a lot as i said <laughs> i'm not really allowed i like to speak about the brand but i'm not allowed to really touch it um but the guys the guys do a, a like a really really good job on on our social media um it's 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 a commitment that, that, it's might, a commitment. that
0: might be a that might be a name right there Official name don't touch me ipa or something like that I like it they'll shoot it down but we'll try it we'll try it (laughs) no no, but it has to to come come from you you because you're not allowed to touch the brand so it's ironic
1: don't touch this yeah they'll say no let's do (laughs) they'll say let's do can't touch this just that it's not fully mine (laughs) um yeah no it's it's a commitment um uh one of my partner's age he's he's in in charge of um he's in charge of doing uh like the story based stuff and a lot of the stuff when we're out and about and then um one of the other partners um he he's in charge of all the posts and releases and and all that kind of stuff so it's it's a two-man job and they split it and they just they do an unreal job they're really really good at it um yeah i mean it's 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 huge right like i mean like people say print is dead right like i mean when was print ever like alive for beer you know what i mean like it's always been a gorilla style marketing industry you know what i mean um and 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 instagram and and facebook and 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 all those other platforms have just made it way more accessible for people you know like everyone's got their phone so i mean all the other people that i know that have companies like you just like i go on my phone at the end of the day and it's like every fucking brewery has a story and a post Cause it's all about content, you know, like it is, you just want to, you just want to flood people with content. And, and I mean, we're like, how else are you going to be front of mind for, for free? You know what I mean? Like when I worked at Granville, it was like our marketing were like buses. Like we would do the banners on the side of buses and, and bus stops and radio hits, right? Well, small breweries don't have money to be throwing it at radio ads and, and getting on the side
0: of buses, right? But so when you this. Sorry? No one's oh. no, no one's paying attention there. Yeah, but I mean I
1: remember sitting in on meetings and they're like they're going to get 250,000 hits on eyes every month on like a bus stop. And From I'm like, who? I'm like, yeah, just because they see it doesn't mean that they fucking registered but they're not it. Seeing it. No, no, they're not. They're they're driving by it and they just like, whatever. It's in one ear out the other. You're literally, when people are on their phones, it's insane. And I hate it myself how much I'm on my phone, but I'm consuming. Like I am literally consuming. Like I could tell you what I saw today. I couldn't tell you one fucking thing that was on a bus today. I literally couldn't and I drove all
0: day. Okay. I talk about this all the time is that even when you're in your car, you're on your phone. Stop at a red light, look around you. There's four cars around Not you. Me. Three of them are on their phone. But three of them are. No one's looking at bus stops.
1: Like <laughs> They're on their phone. People are looking at they're, the bus stops to see if a cop is standing next to the bus stop. That is the <laughs> only thing they're doing. Um No, I mean, that's all changed, right? And and honestly, that's why you see, you know, Snapchat, like Instagram, Facebook, you know, like, you know, we're getting emails from like Bumble to do like mixers at our bar and stuff. You know, like it's just (laughs) social media is just it's, it's on a different level, but it's such a good tool for a business of our size, right? Like I really... I question how we would get out there as much if, if it didn't exist, you know, like, honestly, how would you do it? Right. Like there's some really great um, publications that are craft beer driven. They're awesome. The growler, um, you know, uh, beer may BC, whatever. I'm forgetting a bunch. I'm sorry, but you know, there's a lot of them, but you know, that's not as daily and it's just not as full on as, as social media.
0: Nothing is. What would you say the typical demographic of, a Strathcona beer drinker or a craft beer BC drinker is?
1: Well, honestly, I would say that we have a pretty, a pretty wide one, but I mean, I think that we're, we're a pretty, um, a pretty standard demographic for most other craft brewers. I mean, I think that we're, we're definitely, you know, we, we kind of spoke about this um, before we went on, but you know, yeah, skateboarding is part of it. Music, hip hop, um, you know we're definitely a little bit more of a street brand for sure so i think that we we definitely lean more that way um but you know you come into our tap room and and because we're in such a such a cool neighborhood it's such a it's such a mashup of people you know and the people that i see walking out of the store with with our beer honestly i couldn't really i couldn't narrow it down i mean i would say that it's people like us because we are the people that drink the most craft beer but Mm -hmm. uh, you know it would surprise you, I think.
0: Yeah. How much of the idea behind the brand goes into the neighborhood that you're in or comes from the, comes from the neighborhood that you're in?
1: You know, the, the neighborhood, um, it wasn't my inspiration, but it was the principal partner's inspiration. And it was, it was massive. Like it was a really, really big part of why we're there. You know, he bought his first house there. He wanted to go back there. Um, and I think when it came down to it, for him to be involved, it was kind of like Strathcona or bust, you know. I think the other great thing about Strathcona, um, you know, it's it's the oldest residential neighborhood in in Vancouver. Um, there is a Strathcona all across Canada, which is nice if we do want to grow. There's, we can be local in almost every province. You know, there's, uh, there's Strathcona in Victoria. There's one in Edmonton. Uh, and as far as I know, they continue east. Um, So that's, that's also another, another nice little thing that if we ever, you know, have that much success that we could go that way. Um, But, you know, it's, 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 it's homage to a cool neighborhood. It's homage to, you know, Lord Strathcona. It's, it's, um, it it was, it was his way of kind of giving back and, and getting into an industry that he really kind of wanted to, wanted to enter. Right. So. And, um, you know, the neon, there's a lot of neon on, in our building as well in our, in our tasting room and, and, uh, you know, our big sign on the roof and all that. And that's, that pays homage to all the neon that used to go up and down Hastings. I think, uh, you know, I'm not gonna, uh, lie to you, but at some point it was the neon capital of somewhere maybe Vancouver maybe BC maybe Canada it wasn't North America cuz Vegas existed but at a point in time it was it was known for for its neon signs right so um a lot of a lot of homage paid to the neighborhood and the history there to be honest
0: so is that where the like tie-dye coloring comes from tie-dye like, coloring well like oh. the bright cans and stuff yeah, like that yeah
1: i mean you know what honestly i think a lot of a lot of this stuff comes from um music a lot of it comes from music we um you know get down on it um you know Big Sexy Funk was the name of uh a club night downtown back in the day that that uh some of the partners used to be involved with it was called Big Fe- Big Sexy Funk and um yeah I mean a lot of it comes from music we did um last year there's a, I'll tell you this little story real quick we did um we did a beer uh, for our winter rattler. So this year it's crispy. Mm-hmm. And uh, last year it was called Burr. But before it was called Burr, it was to be called She's So Cold. <laughs> okay. <laughs> which, is, um, which is nothing other than a Rolling Stones lyric. That being said, like the whole song, I could see perhaps how some people um, thought it was maybe not sensitive. Mm-hmm. This was also keep in mind within like, Two weeks of Me Too starting, Harvey Weinstein being charged, like it was. It was a very touchy time, and um, we released our first post of um, "She's So Cold" and people loved it, but a couple of people did not like it at all, and they made a bit of a stink, um, which was fine, and we um, we agreed, okay, like we're not, we're a little brewery in Vancouver, we're not trying to be political, okay, like it's a lyric, winter is cold, Mother Nature is a woman. That's that was all that that was all that there was behind that name. Um, but we made the decision to rip all the labels off. So I was there at like five in the morning peeling labels off of every single can. Because um, you know, being politically correct, you know, I mean some people would say no press is bad press, but I mean that was a pretty touchy time. So we just we rebranded it and, and and cut our losses. And um, you know, you have to be I don't remember where we started on this, why I went down this road about brand. Oh, tie-dye, just uh, about like where the this stuff set. comes from. It comes from music. A lot of it, a lot of it honestly comes from music and um, you know, I guess now we'll listen to the the whole song, not just one lyric in the future so that we can get a, a temperature for what the song's all about. But yeah, I mean that one was unfortunate, but everything else has been
0: on the up and up. One of my questions is like maybe I don't know, a little bit more of an edgy brand in terms of craft beer in BC. I would say so. But yep. like how much thought goes into something like political correctness?
1: I mean, it's, it, dude, it, it it always has to be front of mind that yeah. the climate that we live in today is just like night and day. Like, I mean, I've watched episodes of Friends and Friends was, it was a feel good show. But some of the things that they say on there hmm. today, they would <laughs> not say you know, and that's, and that's crazy. That's like mainstream eight o'clock on a Thursday night cable television. Like the world is watching and they are saying slanderous <laughs> things that today you cannot get away with. Right. Yeah. And, um, I, I think that no matter what business you work in, you know, like there's always a line to walk, but like, you really have to be, be cautious. But I would say that, yeah, we're, we're a bit edgier for sure. I mean, with, you know, the names and, and, uh, and some of the branding and, you know, I don't know how it's edgy, but I would definitely say that, that, yeah, we're, we're, um, we're more, a little more street brand. Right. And I just think that that comes with, you know, we got like graffiti on the building and stuff like that. You you're know, not like afraid we,
0: to stand out and have a personality. Maybe I like it's that. not edgy. No, I like but that. It's just, it's like, you're not trying to be plain. No, with not these at labels, all. right? Not at all. You're not trying to fit in on a shelf. No, point. Do you mind if I open this next one? Please do. <laughs> uh, big, sexy funk. Come on. IPA. A lighter IPA, five and a half percent.
1: Yeah, it's, this one does really, really well for us. This is probably, um, dry hazy. Yeah, Ooh. probably. Sounds right little, up my alley. You're going to like it. This is a good one. <laughs> yeah, this one probably does, uh, does the best for us in the tall can format.
0: Ooh. Speaking of hazy IPAs, when did these become like super popular? You know what? Um, cause for me, it's probably only been six months that I've been really into them. You know what? But I'm I mean, sure it was before that. Cause I like, you know, I was in the industry when
1: IPAs became a thing. You know what I mean? And everything was like IPA, IPA, you know, and fat tongue is king. king right? Can we get this thing? Right? Just let's yeah. just blow people's taste buds apart, right? And um, you know, fat tug, I still love a good fat tug. Like, you know, that beer's not going anywhere. It's just a spectacular beer. But obviously, you know, as as one thing, you know, uh becomes, you know, trendy, people look at what's the next thing, right? And this was the next thing just a different yeast strain um different uh different malt bills right you're using a little bit more pale malt um to get yourself you know maybe even some 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 uh some wheat or uh, some oat and uh and just a totally different style of yeast that people were using before in these kind of in these kind of beers right like people were just using um just using ales ale yeasts right now they're using totally different styles of yeast in these beers and that's really where most of the the difference comes from
0: you you talk about on trend mm-hmm. and i know it's like from my perspective of the craft beer industry like f- four or five years ago is like hoppy 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 beers mm-hmm. how do we get something with more hops double triples totally. quadruple hops yeah it's like 140 IBUs. Oh, I don't ridiculous. even know if that's a real number, but it seemed like they're so high. I think after so 100,
1: high. your tongue can't even tell you yeah, what I know. it is. I, I'm pretty
0: sure like that's actually true. Yeah. yeah. And then from my perspective again, like two years ago, it was like Sours were really big huh. and I wasn't really, really into them. But then like Hazy's in the last year, maybe year, I don't know.
1: Yeah, no, you know, I think, I think um, Hazy probably came in when Sours did. They kind of came mm-hmm. hand in hand, I would say. Sours are definitely still here. Hazy's are definitely still here. Um, Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what the attraction was other than the fact that I think they're just more, more sessionable. You know what I mean? Like I remember going to the bar and having like four fat tugs and being like, I don't even know where I am. Like just being so (laughs) drunk. You know what I mean? And not to say that I don't get somewhat like that (laughs) off of four of these two, but like, it's just not quite the same They are definitely more sessionable. Um, it's not just about just a, you know, a hop kick to the teeth. It's, you know, it's, it's really the, the aromatics behind them. Um, you know, just the fruity flavors, it's just a totally different experience, but it still gives you, you know, that, 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 um, uh, what's the word? Astringency on your tongue a little bit. You know what I mean? Just when you're drinking it, like I don't know. I used to smoke, so I would say it's probably like a similar kind of thing when you get that tingle in your in your throat mm-hmm. when you're smoking. I think for an IPA drinker or a beer drinker, you get that 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 coating on your tongue. It's probably the same kind of mental hit.
0: Mm-hmm. Little science there, maybe. It's I above, don't know. It could it's be above way my way grade. <laughs> Me too. I don't know about science. <laughs> right, science or math how much of uh like what you guys try to do the i'm sure you do seasonal beers and stuff like that but how much of what you try to do is because a certain type of beer is on trend versus like this is our brand and this is where we want to go
1: i think honestly i would i would say it's pretty it's pretty well split um no matter what we decide is on trend or we want to try or Um, we're going to go back to the well on it or whatever it is. The brand is always, um, decided kind of separately of it. You know, like if you look at these cans, like there's no real correlation to what's inside of it. You know what I mean? Like big, sexy funk, like that's a bigger beer. (laughs) If anything, you know, like, like there's no real correlation. Like we go in whatever direction we're going on the branding because that's what we want to do. And we think that's dope looking, you know what I mean? the the trend and and what we're doing, we do that because that's what's gonna sell or that's something that we're really interested in trying to execute. You know what I mean? We have a we have a series of beers called Love Buzz right now. And mm. that's well we've had it for a while. And that's just um sours, Berliner Weisses primarily and we just we just flip the fruits you know we just try something different you know t- tweak the uh the the recipe obviously and then just you know what kind of fruit do we want to do are we going to do a seasonal fruit or are we just going to be like let's do fucking that this time let's just try it you know what i mean so th- i would say that those two things are are somewhat independent of themselves mm-hmm. um but with the love buzz it truly does we do kind of stick to the color um the uh, the colors on the can being somewhat like correlated to the fruits. But
0: other than that, everything else is just kind of whatever looks cool. Is there is there a clash then in terms of like standing out as a brand? If it's like an industry, industry trend and everyone's trying to make the best hazy right now or mm-hmm. everyone's trying to make the best IPA. is Is there a little bit of a clash in terms of like finding your own personality and your individuality as a brand versus like I just want to win in that one category because that's popular this year
1: you know I I think that we try to just do our own thing I really do I think that they're um, I think that everyone does for the most part I honestly don't think like when you think about how many beers are done and how many cans are produced right like I don't feel like there's that much like ripping off or that much biting happening, you know, like, don't get me wrong. Like, you know, bright cans, everyone's kind of doing bright cans. You know what I mean? Because as the shelf space gets more and more competitive, mm. you do need to jump into people's hands a little bit more. Right. Um, but I, I do think that, that everyone just kind of like does what they do. I don't, I don't feel like, um, like at least in our sense, like, do we, we were never opening to be a rattler company you know what i mean but like we're a fucking rattler company like we sell a (laughs) fucking lot of rattler you know what i mean but but these other beers crush it too now because of that right but like we just did what we wanted to do like honestly the best way i could say it is like the guys involved like we like to drink beer and we like to like drink quite a few beers and like honestly i'm not like i'm not going for like the 12% like triple you know what i mean like i'll make it because i know that the boys can make it and the branding will look sick and the brewers will crush the recipe and it'll be a great beer but like i'm not trying to win in that category you know what i mean like yeah if that if that's something that that like wins for us that's great but like beach wasn't really about winning like we didn't do beach because it was like we got have the best fucking rattler in the country got to have it like who would do that you know what i mean it just it just so happened that we 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 banged it out of the park and and now we sell a lot of it but like it wasn't about like winning in that category like that ipa like it wasn't about winning the best you know american style ipa it was just like let's make an american style ipa because like that is something we haven't done yet and it is a trendy style of beer people are drinking it so we can make some money on it right because at the end of the day like this isn't all about making money but like You got to make money and uh you know you, you you chase what what where you see you can have success i think is the best way to put it wherever you see an opportunity to like help your business then you go after that and sometimes it goes like beach and sometimes you do one batch of it and that beer will never come back you know and that's part of being in a creative industry like this right you some things work and some things don't you can't you can't force something right like you can't just hang on to something because you want it to work tried it didn't work move on
0: You've been in the industry two and a half years, or the brewery's been open for two and a half years. Would Beach be like the biggest uh success story that wasn't um that you didn't really expect? Yeah, probably.
1: Um I mean that one was a you know, that one that one right there winning winning gold in Canada was was um maybe a bit unexpected. It was a spectacular beer and we all knew it was, but the American IPA category is probably the most competitive category at the Canadian Brewing Awards because hazy American IPAs are on trend right now. Right. So winning that one was, was probably a surprise, but, um, beach was, was definitely something that, um, yeah, it it blew up probably more than we
0: expected for sure. Any big, uh, like failure beers that you thought were going to crush it?
1: You know we did one and 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 i wouldn't say that we've ever i'm not gonna say this i know i probably sound like a homer saying this like we've never put out of that beer like we've definitely not we've definitely put out. oh yeah no we did one that i didn't like it was uh it was um a peppercorn a szechuan peppercorn something that
0: sounds like a storm beer
1: Dude, it it smelled like Chinese food. Like, I'm not kidding you. Like the brewer would bring it to me and I'd be like, dude, that smells like takeout. Like, um, it actually it actually aged better. It aged much better than I thought it would. Um, but that one, dude, we didn't even package that one. Um, that one just like threw it in some kegs and dumped it at the end of the day. Like, but I think, oh, what was the one I was gonna say a minute ago? Um, oh, it, the ones that haven't hit, and there's a couple that like, they bug me because I just think that we just, and, and it's on me, you know, not executing the timeline of when this beer should have been, should have been released. We did a Hefeweizen last year and it was called canned heat and the can was sick, but I just think it didn't, um, yeah, I mean, it it sounded like a spicy, like, I just think there was it was confusing. I think that the canned design and the canned name were maybe a little confusing to the consumer. And then we released it too late in the summer.
0: Like it sounds like it'd be a spicy beer.
1: Totally. Canned heat, right? Yeah. That's what it sounds like. It was supposed to more be like, this is canned summer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like this is a Hefeweizen, right? And I love halfs. like back in the day with Granville Island like I thought that beer was just spectacular it really was it was honestly the,
0: by far the best in its category it in that a doubt. in the day no yeah.
1: without a doubt it was and it still is it's still a spectacular beer i don't know if it's number 1 i i haven't really drank hefsen in a while too busy with the hazy ipas but uh <laughs> but uh but we did this beer and it was um i think it was mango a mango half Ison. yeah i think it was mango i thought it was fucking unbelievable like honestly and i like came from granville island where we had an unbelievable half and i was like this beer is going to be a monster for us like this is going to be our next like summer hit and i don't know i haven't even talked to the guys yet but like i want to redo it but i they're just going to be like dude like let it go let it go i know they are but i thought that we just we just we not we like me i missed on when it should have been released it should have been earlier in the summer for sure um we'll see that was that was one that that was a bit of a disaster, but mainly to my own fault
0: how much do you anal- how much time do you spend analyzing something like that, or do you just say this was a dud let's move on or is it like we fucked up the name here it should should have been more summary you or know what, you know I whatever
1: I would probably say it's more like self reflection on that we don't really get into it like yeah. you know the thing is we 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 produce a beer and um if we're just doing one batch, that shit's gone like that. Like it's just out to the liquor stores. It's gone. Um, and the t- real truth is how quick it's off their shelves, right? Like everyone eats up all of our stock. If we do a full batch and we do four skids of it, like it's gone, right? Um, but then you'll see oh, it sticks around on shelves. Fuck, what am I doing here? Um, and that's where you start to realize, like, yeah, that beer was mistimed. Because people will still buy it because you know, we have we have fun cans and good branding and you know, we we drop a new release every month and they kind of expect it. It just, you know, rolls into the shelves and rolls out and um so that that usually isn't a problem, but it's it's more like individual reflection that that I I do on things like that where it's like, Yeah, that wasn't executed right or whatever, but uh I don't know. We'll see if I go to bat for that one. I'll probably just let it go, do a half a couple of
0: years from now when they need to be revived or something. <laughs> Can I be the impartial taste tester and deciding factor of that beer? Yeah, please do. Because it sounds fucking delicious. It to was.
1: Me. I'm not kidding. Mango man. Hef
0: is right at my alley. It was alley.
1: mango. I'm pretty sure it might have been mango something. It might have been mango something else Hef. It was. I swear, man, I thought that beer was going to be a banger. I really did. Who who do I need to talk to to get get an tasting? I'll probably find you some, but I'm, not, I'm gonna have <laughs> a taste now.
0: This is last summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we better start uh, getting ready to. Brew this thing if we're yeah, doing honestly, it for this. Summer. I know it needs to be released earlier this year too. Christ, I'm already <laughs> behind. Probably a uh, couple of awards last year. Mm-hmm. The pilsner, yeah, and this guy, yeah, get down on it. Is I guess do you go into awards ceremonies like expecting or with any? Do you care at all? Like, I mean, are dude, awards important? So objective. At all? It's yeah. so objective, right? Like, um
1: dude you go to some some of these and you know they're so they're so heavily focused on european styles you know what i mean and and you you as a business like that's not what i make i make two hazy ipas i can only enter one i make a hazy pale ale there might not be even be a category for that it might just be pale ale so then i'm different than the other (laughs) things that are entered in it pilsner every fucking literally every company can enter into that um you know and then a beach you know like what category does the beach go in like they don't have a rattler category you know what i mean so then i'm in fruit beers while i'm up against like barrel age fruit beers right so i think i think it's objective honestly i think there's i i give such kudos to anyone that wins awards because they're doing a great job and people are recognizing that. And it's not an easy industry to, to, to make great products in that stand out. So honestly, I'm not downplaying them whatsoever. We've won, you know, whatever in our two and a half years, we've won five, six awards, something like that between all different shows. Um, But that's, that's not what like makes us do what we do. You know, like, like perfect example, we, we won gold in Canada for our British IPA. The first year we were open, we went balls to the wall with that beer and now we don't even make it anymore. You know what I mean? Like a lot of these people that win awards, they, they did this beer once. They did it once in a bomber. They sent that bomber and they won. They don't even make the fucking beer anymore. (laughs) So like, like that's great. Bring it back. And that's great. It's won an award and it, it, it's, it's clearly a great beer, but like for your core business, like you don't even make the beer anymore. What did it do for you? You know what I mean? Like it's never a bad thing. I'm not saying ever winning an award is a bad thing, but I don't think that it, it, it makes or breaks you whatsoever. Like, I think it's very objective.
0: So it's more like an acknowledgement thing within the industry. Yeah. I think, than, I, I like, think if you haven't won an award. It's not going to boost award, your sales. Like Daggerhead winning Canadian Bre- brewer of the year.
1: I'm sure. It helped them. I, yeah. I, I can't imagine that it like, that they've flatlined since oh, yeah. then. You know what I mean? But I don't think like, all of a sudden they're it's looking like for an Oscar. a new building, you know? No, it's not an Oscar. It's not like right? your
0: rate goes up. Oh, look at Leo, three look times, how long yeah. it took Leo to
1: get one. I mean, that didn't change anything. I still went to all his movies, you know, <laughs> whatever. Um, no, it's it's great. And honestly, I was happy for Dagrad and happy to see Steel and Oak win awards. And I'm happy to see everyone win an awards. Honestly, I, I I love, part of what I love about this industry is is the the collaborative, uh, you know, respect that everyone has, you know, like I love that about this industry. Um, so I'm not here saying anything other than good for everyone that wins awards. We've won them too, but I just don't think like, that's not what you hang your hat on in my opinion. Like mm. it's always about the next one
0: really. In BC, greater Vancouver, who do you look at and be like, they're, they're doing a good job other than Strathcona. Cause I know you're biased, you know, but like, uh, okay, I want to f- talk about a few categories yeah. though. Yeah. Mm. You're not going to get in trouble for this. Not that many people listen uh-huh. to it yet.
1: Yeah. Go and back and, the and, okay. So the first category is
0: branding. Yeah. So who do you look at and be like, their brand sticks out? They're doing a good job.
1: Um,. The silence doesn't mean that that there's no one. It just means that I want to make sure that I give you a good answer on this. I mean, yeah, okay, hey, like Superflux, they are no out of our out of our okay. brewery, and I think that they 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 have some really great branding. I would agree. I, I, I think I like it's them. really great. Mm-hmm. Um, four Winds with their boxes, you know, thirty three acres with their simplistic, uh, you know, um, look. There's so many. There's so many, dude. There's so many companies that are doing well. I would put us up there in the top ten um you know i would put a lot of these companies up there in the top 10 to be honest with you 10 of them to be exact in the top 10 um (laughs) but no like there's there's some and they're all newer companies like i think that that then like even did i say four wins like four wins is so simple you know what i mean it's more of like a regal brand with their four pack bottles but like it's cool you know what i mean like they've they've taken themselves out of out of the mainstream six-pack market and done four-pack 330 mils. Like no one's ever done that. You know what I mean? And I think it's crazy, but clearly they're crushing it. You know what I mean? Um I think Steel and Oak does a good job on their branding. I do. I you really don't have do. To say that. No, I do though. I actually <laughs> no I know no, no, no. the guys down there and I really like them. Honestly, like um, I'm not just saying that. I, I think that they are very clean with what they do and the continuity i think a lot of companies miss on continuity it's something that i was weary about with us was that it was like people have to fucking know who that is right it's great to put all the stuff all over the can but your logo better be in the same place on every can and the name better be in the same place on every can so that when someone walks in it doesn't matter how insane that can looks They see that S there. They know that's us, right? Like Steel Note's very good about that. And that's that's something that I feel like um, a lot of companies miss. They're trying to keep up with the Joneses and they see colorful packaging and they're just like, colorful, colorful, right and it's like, yeah colorful colorful, but who the fuck is that like I don't even know who what company that is you know like they got their logo here on this one and the name down there and then the logo down there and like it's important right so I think I think they do a good job and I think a lot of the companies that I would throw in the in the in the higher echelon of that are very good about their 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 brand uh, uh, continuity right because once you build equity in that brand, you, you, you know, I'm always weary about changing our branding and stuff because you've built up some, some trust by the consumer. They know that package. They look for it. You change it or one looks different than the other. Well, what are you doing? Cause they're, they're not looking for that anymore. Cause they're looking for something totally different on the shelf.
0: It's an interesting point. I went to Whistler. I was probably in the fall now and I stopped on the way and grabbed like, I don't know, four or five tall cans. Mm-hmm. One of them. I grabbed solely because it had a cool label. Yeah, a lot of people g- do. But I got there and started drinking this thing. And someone was like, oh, that's a cool label. What brewery is that? I had no Couldn't idea. Couldn't figure
1: it out, I bet, even.
0: And I was a few beers deep, so maybe it took me a little longer than it should have. But it took me like three minutes to find the brewery. And it was in the, literally in the fine print right here. So all it said was like Strathcona beer cut. I mean not that it, it wasn't Strathcona, but I'm just pointing out. If this that's can.
1: what you do on every can, isn't then nuts? I can get
0: behind that. If that's what you do on every single can.
1: I still think you're crazy, but at least it's the same. And people will know mm. after the first time that they figure it out to go to the back of the fucking can and look in the fine print. <laughs> but at least they'll know, right? Like that isn't that is part of it. Like that is actually part of it. So um you know i mean you have to have categories in my opinion right like our bombers look different than our t- four pack tall cans <laughs> our six pack cans are uh you know they have a they have a uniform pattern set back in the in the in the label they all look the same right like we have different categories our six packs look like our six packs our four packs look like our four packs our bombers look like our bombers and you know that that's that's important it is and i think a lot of companies um no fault of their own they just like they they get caught up in being shiny right and just like being the shiny penny and it's like it's great but like people want to actually like buy into you as a brand so give them the chance to Mm
0: -hmm. it doesn't build brand awareness can we try this one brand awareness great great term yeah let's do it so someone might buy a sweet beer let's say the s wasn't there it's just like a pink and blue logo like i really like the logo that's cool it's cool beer i have no idea where it came from and i'm not going to search out another beer by this company because i don't know who it is totally right Okay, what's this? You're going
1: to have to really like it to search you out, you know what I mean? So this is the totally. get yeah. down on it. Oat Cream
0: IPA. This is the lacto uh, gold winner. Gold winner? All right. This better be good. I'm going to uh have my own little uh award show here.
1: The, <laughs> the award show.
0: <laughs> this is zero to Thank gear you. award. Zero to gear. <laughs> Can you tell me a little bit about this one? So this one. This is unique. It is for sure. This is a different smell.
1: A little more subtle, not quite as fruity. So the malt bill on this is a little bit different for sure. Um, it obviously has flaked oat. Um, a similar yeast style as well, obviously a hazy um varietal of yeast. Um it's a bigger beer like what is it seven percent is that what it is Seven percent it doesn't drink like a seven percent beer, and i think that that's that's where you you know you get into award territory when you make a beer that's a big beer or or not a big beer and it tastes like something totally different right and i think that that's what this beer really hits on is the fact that it is obviously a bit boozier it's gonna you know make your legs wiggle a little bit quicker but it, it it's very crushable crushable Back to Crushable. Back to Crushable. That's what it's
0: all about. I fucking I hate, love I Crushable. I
1: fucking, I love it because it is the best word to use, but I just know that, you know, true craft beer people don't love it.
0: What would they mm. use as a synonym? I don't know. That's the uh. thing. I don't know what
1: to replace it with.
0: Mm. Yeah. yeah I mean, well, I feel like anything you can think of just goes yeah. back to like the old lame breweries like Lebatten. Mm, totally. Molson. I mean, dude... It's like, it's crisp. They weren't making Mm -hmm. beers like this, so the language is still being developed, I suppose. I say we start a hashtag crushable. I'm sure it's already done. No, that's going to be a big one. We're starting (laughs) it right now. (laughs) Uh, We should probably wrap up soon. You got to get home. Uh, Trends in the beer industry. We talked about trends, but... Mm -hmm. What's next? Can you see what's next?
1: You know, I think... think, like dude stuff in in wood is
0: is the thing aged in barrels
1: aged in barrels fooders so we have fooders we have 325 heck uh fooders as well um the issue there is just going to be scale right like i mean really you know the four wins they've got some pretty big fooders ours are a decent size we would obviously like some bigger ones but i mean for you to ever be able to do a beer Big time, you would need such a seller, right? Like, you know, you look at, you know, Johnny Walker and, you know, Jim Beam and whatever, you know, everything, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Jack Daniels, like, they have these just insane sellers of oak, right? Like, that's never going to happen. So, you're never really going to see that, but you will see every brewery doing some beers in wood. That's just like, for sure, that's already here. It's just going to grow. Um, You'll see sours, right? Just like the IPA, how the IPA started as, you know, the you know just the, the traditional India pale ale, you know what I mean, from the English colonizing of India. Like, you know, you saw that evolve into the hazy IPA. You'll see that, I'm sure, evolve again into something else or maybe revert back. But I think sours are not uh, done. I think that sours, um, you know, just there's spontaneous fermentation like there's so many different ways that people can take a style of beer the, with the way they produce it that i think you're going to start seeing um just a new take on sours and you probably already are um but just more of it i think you're going to see more of it more mainstream it's also a good style of beer to produce as a brewery because it, it it is pretty quick and and uh not the most expensive to make you know mm. so um it is it is good for the old bank account but Um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. I honestly can't say because I didn't, I didn't see, um, a different style of IPA coming when the original IPA was being, you know, carried all about town and, and the Sours. I mean, I didn't really get into Sours when they first came to be honest with you, but I love them now. Really? I do. I love Sours. I love them. Really? You just haven't had the right one. You ever had Nectarus from Four Winds? I think I have. In the, in the bottle with the cork? It sounds really familiar. That, that I don't know. beer, like that was—I think that was probably—and it probably isn't even a sour. I probably sound like an idiot, but it is. I mean, it is. It must be. But <laughs> that beer is just like—I remember having that for the first time and just being like, "This is, this is the bee's knees." It was unbelievable. Like, really. So, if I can get you a bottle of that, I'll—I'll I'll bring it by and you can try that. Oh, and That'll probably trouble.
0: get you on the. Uh, that'll be your gateway sour. <laughs> is it just me or has the Dark beer scene taking a backseat a little bit because I I in in the winter specifically like anyone else I guess but like I love a good like coffee porter or like the stouts too. So I used to love the oatmeal stouts. It, it,
1: see, I would okay. So from our perspective, we we did a a winter rattler again this year, right? And it was um a cranberry mandarin, right? Yeah, and um. And we did that because I was of the mindset that the person that drinks light beers and fruity beers in the summer doesn't die or go into hibernation (laughs) in the winter and they still would drink one of these fucking beers if it was out there. But most people don't offer them. You know what I mean? Um, It does go to coffee stouts and oatmeal stouts and just all the dark heavy beers. And there's a place for that. Don't get me wrong. I like them too. Um, but you know, we did a coffee stout this year and it was, it was basically like alcoholic cold brew. It was unbelievable. Like our brewer really, he really banged it out of the park and, uh, yeah, it sold well, we sold it all good. And then we did a black forest cake, um, called uh waken cake and, uh, <laughs> and, um, and that one flew. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if that one comes back. Um, but you know what, through it all, that winter rattlers just crushed all of them. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I think that they have taken a back seat, but I think it's just because like with all these big IPAs and everything, like you're always going to have people go back to the light fizzy yellow stuff. You know, mm. like there's always going to be a market for that. Like, you know, as much as Bud Light and Budweiser and Canadian and Coors are losing market share, like to what end, like how far are you really going to fall before? Like people are still picking up a 30 pack each, you know what I mean? At least a couple of times a year, you know what I mean? like, I, I think that it is, it is taking a backseat, but I mean, that's only because like people still like easy drinking beer, right? I mean, you yourself would probably <clears throat> maybe that's nine why. times out of <clears throat> 10 have an easier drinking beer than a crazy beer. Probably maybe not. Nine I never really, out of ten. I'm
0: not, we're never really into huge crazy beers though. Yeah. Like the double IP has never got me the big sours that were like 9% never got me.
1: You remember Herminator? Were- you remember Herminator from um, is uh, Vancouver Island? It's yes. an icebox, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. big guy on the front yeah, of the package. Yeah, yeah. I remember just like, because Granville Island with our winter ale, like that was a monster, right? Like just an absolute monster. And I remember um, being in the stores, probably selling pallets of that stuff at a government store. And the guy being <laughs> like, you ever had the Herminator? And I was like, I haven't. And uh, And I bought a six pack of it. And they told me like, don't drink a six pack of this. And I went home and watched a Canucks game and drank a six-pack of it. And I don't remember the second or third period, like, <laughs> honestly. And and that had a place, right? But that, like, that was a bad experience, like, for me. You know, like, technically, like, that was almost a bad drinking experience. So, I mean, I like the big beers, but you're still only having a couple of them, right? Like, I could probably have six lagers and remember the second and third. But if I'm having six Herminators or... You know, six coffee
0: stouts. I'm probably you know in a bad way That's at the fair. end of it. Uh, I usually start podcasts by asking people to describe themselves in a few words. I'm gonna end yours instead, well, not about I've you. Had a couple beers. No, it's not about you. I want you to describe how amazingly epic brewery award shows and parties are. Because I've seen video footage from the Steel and Oak guys at these award parties. Yeah, they're pretty good. And I'm... I'm. I think I'm close, Carl. I think I'm close to wheeling my way into an invitation. I'll bring
1: you. Don't worry. (laughs) They will bring you. I'll bring you. Um. You know what? Festivals. I remember, like when I first started. Not to give you too long of an answer, but when I first started after I broke my hand, I was the event coordinator and the sales merchandiser. So my job was festivals. Like literally, that was what I did. I would go the day early. I would drive up to Penticton, set everything up. The reps would come in. And I would just light it up for a couple of days with them. And then I'd <laughs> unpack it and take it home. You know what I mean? And um, they're awesome everyone in this industry is just great people like that's what i've learned over the years um no matter what you think about people i think as the competition grows the industry does get a little bit further and further away from the camaraderie that i've known all these years um and i don't blame anyone for that because this is everyone's livelihood you know what i mean and there is you know healthy competition braids creativity right and i respect all that um but 99% of the people that you meet in this industry are just the fucking tits. They're awesome, right? So you get a bunch of those people together and uh, <laughs> you throw free beer at them and some corporate credit cards. And it's, it's a good time, yeah. Honestly, I, I've, I've, I can't speak of, of really a bad night that I've had at an award show or a festival. Like everyone's just really good people. Honestly, like-minded, really good people.
0: Next one that comes up, if Steel and Oak says no again. Would you let me know? Whenever. I'm shooting a text. What would
1: the next one be? I don't even know, but you'd let me know.
0: There's always those summer ones oh, on yeah. the island, right? Penticton. You should come to Penticton's Penticton. Penticton Festivals is a hoot. It's a really good time. Yeah, it's a good time. Let's make it happen. I like it. Uh, I want to end with, what's the biggest misconception about the brew, like craft beer industry? Or just a couple like things that you can think of
1: that it's I, all fun and games because like i just sold it pretty hard in that last segment yeah. and it's not all fun and games i can tell you like it's you know it's 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 competitive and you know uh, you know especially going from you know i went from you know swamping right to driving a truck right a little bit more stressful to being an event coordinator merchandiser a little bit more stressful still fucking pretty fun and then being a sales rep and it's like okay like i live for my numbers like you know you can do whatever you want you can go hit a round of golf in the middle of a day sometimes but those numbers better be good and then i went to being um you know a a, a bc sales manager at big rock well now like your team's numbers have got to be good so you got to be on your team so that gets a little more stressful now you know being in charge of you know sales and distribution and and ordering of raw materials and being a partner in a brewery. I mean, there's still a ton of fun. Like, don't get me wrong. I laugh more than I'm stressed, but (laughs) yeah, I mean, it's as fun of an industry as it is. It's still, it's still a business and it's still competitive and uh, as great as everyone is, it's still,
0: uh, you know, it's still, it's still competitive. Right. So. I love it. I love the industry. I'm mostly just like sampling product, but.
1: (sighs) Yeah, no, I mean, honestly, it's funny to do this with you when we used to be in the industry together. So.
0: It's kind of come full circle hasn't it 100 percent for sure where uh maybe shoot out uh strathcona's instagram so if people want to check him out or go uh grab a beer from him.
1: yeah we're down at uh eight nine five east hastings in vancouver so that's right on the corner of uh campbell and hastings just like a couple blocks west of clark and hastings um open from noon to midnight um seven days a week and uh Follow us on Facebook, Strathcona Beer, and on Instagram at Strathcona Beer. Is midnight late? Is not that late for tasting? It's rips? kind of late. Yeah, we're a little—we're open a it's little bit. Most more. were like ten or eleven. You know, one thing that's again, just to go back to us being part of the neighborhood, like we're a neighborhood spot. We don't do room bookings. We don't book out the whole room. If you live in Strathcona or you come down to Strathcona and you want a beer, like you can get in.
0: We did our ten-year uh, yeah. high school reunion. That's there, crazy. Like, last year you're two years ago two years ago
1: 10 years Jesus you're 29 (laughs) that's That's crazy great quick math I'm a math math guy I'm a math guy though
0: (laughs) no that's awesome it was good that was I think that was my first Strathcona beer oh yeah and i had you more have? i had more than one yeah <laughs> i don't remember.
1: remember that's so funny i remember
0: i, think I had one like, of I each i remember
1: you guys <laughs> emailing or whatever
0: and someone asking me about it and i was like yeah like that sounds pretty cool actually like it was sweet we had a great turnout way more than i thought we had 110 grad class and i think 70 came jesus that's impressive right it is pretty good yeah. i haven't been to. i didn't go to mine probably never go to mine <laughs> it was fun it was fun to catch up anyway for sure Thanks so much for coming on, yeah, man. Thanks was for a lot having of fun. me. Oh, awesome. Good to catch up. Yeah. Oh, you too. Guys, thanks for listening. Uh, as always, I'd love to hear your feedback. Hit me up on Instagram, denny.duma. See oh, ya. Yeah.